Well, welcome. Good morning. I'm Mike, the senior pastor. Again, I welcome those of you that are here with us from the Institute for Worship Studies. Uh, IWS is in session. They're studying, and some are here with us this morning. Um, This is the one Sunday out of the year that's slightly different, that I don't preach an expository sermon. So it's more of a state of the church kind of address, but I do want to start off by explaining the season we're in. If you took your Christmas decorations down last week, that's like taking your Jaguars jersey off and putting it in the drawer. There's, the season's not over. It still goes. Christmas goes all the way through until the Feast of Epiphany, which was yesterday. It's always January 6th. So this is the first Sunday after Epiphany. And if you're not sure what Epiphany is, it's about the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles as typified in the story of the Magi. The Magi is not just really good children's pageantry, although it is really awesome for the children's pageant to have that part of the story, and it's a pretty cool thing that God did. But what makes the account of the Magi so powerful is that God raised up a star to people way out in the east that were astronomers, and they knew that it meant there was a new king of the Jews, and that was somehow good for them as well. You see, what it shows us is that God didn't just come to save Israel. God came for all people. He wants the whole world. He wants no one to perish. He wants everyone to come to saving grace. And I want to ask the question this morning of what's our part in that? What does he expect of his people? And as a way of kind of framing my comments this morning, I want to, I want to look at this under what is the purpose of the church generally, big picture of the church, then what is the state of our specific church, Grace Anglican Church, in light of the current situation in North America? And then third, I want to um, share what I see for us in 2018. So to be more concise, our mission, our church, and our potential. So do you know what the mission is of this church? I've been publishing this for five or so more years now. It's in the Narthex. It's in the Connection Guide. It's on our websites. Close. Share God's word. It's to make disciples. Yes. Who said that? All right, Adam. You get a shout out from the pulpit today. To make disciples. That is the mission. In fact, I would say that's not just our church's mission. That is any faithful church's mission. That is the purpose of the church. The church exists as a vehicle to make disciples. And discipleship is for transforming the whole world. Now, I, wanna, I, know, I know it's sort of like s- splitting hairs here, but if you get that reversed and you think that discipleship exists for the church, you run into a problem. The church can then start to be self-satisfied. We do discipleship so the church will get strong. And the problem is you'll be ingrown and forget about the world. So the reason that God has a church in the world is because he wants the church to make disciples to transform the world. So that's what we're about. We're about making disciples. That's why there is a church. It is not an end. It is a means to an end. The church is a means to another end. And God is always reforming and renewing his church to that end. So when churches stop doing that, they come under judgment. And God, historically, will raise up a remnant of people who will be committed to his word and go make disciples. Now, I did a funeral in here yesterday um, for... uh, a family uh, that's connected to our church, and some of their guests came, and they're Christians. They're real solid disciples and believers, and 
Before the service even started in the Northex, uh, one of them, with a handful of his friends and family with him, cornered me and said, we've got a question for you. All right, I'm getting ready to do the funeral. I'm getting my head in funeral mode. And he goes, are you one of those conservative churches or liberal churches? Both of those words are loaded, right? They're both dangerous labels, and I don't want to put a label on our church. I said, let me put it this way. In North America right now, there is a line being drawn in the sand. And the line is determined by this. Do you believe that this book is God's authoritative word? And do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation? Which this book, by the way, is very clear on. If you answer yes to those two, that puts you on the side of the line where this church stands. And you can label it what you want. But we believe in Jesus and we believe in the scriptures that proclaim Jesus. So... I believe that with those two truths and, a dis, and, a, and an intentionality about making disciples, God can bless that, and he is. So the purpose of the church is for discipleship. We are to make disciples. Now let me transition from our mission to our church specifically. In the American mainline denominational situation, there is kind of a what I'll call the sky is falling um, uh, writing that's all over the internet. Do a search on the words church decline, and here's what you get. I mean, literally, the, these, were the, these were the top ones when I did this in my, on my computer. Seven startling facts regarding church attendance. Why nobody wants to go to church anymore. America's empty church problem. Facing Episcopal church decline. Why the church is failing. So with headlines such as that, you know, people send me emails, some of you, some from outside, send me emails from time to time, and they're often about the church. And I get these kind of sky is falling statistical emails that are basically doomsday. You know, it, it makes you feel like if you don't get to church this month, by Valentine's Day, there won't be any churches left in the world, which of course is crazy. And so when Gus sent me an email a week or two ago, and I saw the title of it, I rolled my eyes and I thought, Gus, why are you sending me one of these negative emails? And here's, here's what the, the, the title of it was. And by the way, it was from Christianity Today. So I was like, oh, those are usually really good. What's this one? And it said, recalibrate, colon, 10 steps every church must take this year or be dead in a decade. <laughs> and I thought, come on, guys, you're fear-mongering. Here's another one of these things. But then I read the first three sentences of it. When I opened up the actual email and started reading the article, the first three sentences said this, the church is not dying it is in fine shape. Jesus said he'd build it, and he is. And I went, amen. That's true. And any of you who've been in the newcomer's lunch in the last five or more years will bear me witness to this. I point out that Matthew 16 and Matthew 28 are very clarifying for us. In Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And in Matthew 28, he says, you go make disciples. We know what our job is, and we know what his job is. So as a church, we're going to focus on our job, and we're going to let Jesus build his church. If we focus on making disciples, then Jesus will bless that. What is a disciple, you say? Well, in the connection guide, which you're going to pick up today, there's uh, an introductory letter from me, and I define very clearly what a disciple is. Read that letter and ask yourself, am I a disciple? Does it describe me? Because that's what we're about in this church. We're trying to do that. Now, let me give you some statistics. The engineer in me loves this. You know, these are numbers. These are easy things to count. 
how many people come to church, how much money comes in the plate, those kind of things. And I want to I also celebrate that today is our birthday as a church. We're 12 years old today. I don't know if you knew that, but it was on the Sunday after Epiphany that we declared uh, that we were leaving the Episcopal Church. That was in 2006. That's 12 years ago. I'm also celebrating personally that I'm now starting my 11th year. It was January 1st, 2008 that I came on staff. So I've been here a decade. It doesn't feel that long, and we love it here. And it's really been an, an amazing thing. And I, I praise God. I tell him I'll stay as long as you'll let me. And so I'm, I'm just personally celebrating an anniversary. Our church is growing both in attendance and in giving. We're up 5% in attendance, and we're up 6% in giving. And let me tell you what those numbers mean. Last year, at this time, I said... Our average Sunday attendance for the prior year was 497, and I gave three of you a hard time for not showing up, otherwise we'd have hit the 500 mark. (laughs) So you went and brought 25 more people with you. So this year it went up to 525. That's average across every Sunday in all three services. We're pushing records in all the different areas. So Christmas, we had close to 1,200 here over the Christmas Eve services and Christmas Day. That's bigger. We added over 90 new members just in 2017. Those are people that went through the newcomers launch and then signed on and said, we want to be members. We believe God is calling us to be part of what you're doing and turned in that form. So that's, that's over 90 people. Um, If you do a percentage, I mean, that's like, it's like 20% of our church added this year in terms of Sunday attendance. Money went up, get this, $95,000. That's $95,000 more came in the plate this year for a record giving of $1.573 million. That's the amount that came in. And we spent under budget again. Our budget was a little bigger this year than the prior year, but we spent under budget and we landed the year in the black to the good by $66,000, which is awesome because one, it's required by our bank's new covenant. Our new loan has some covenant restrictions. We have to land in the black every year, and we have to keep a quarter of a million dollars on reserve any given month. And so um, we need to do that. But $66,000 in the black is breathing room, and it takes some of the, the anxiety away from the money stuff. So I am so grateful for that. Now, we also hit the heart of mission goal. So we wanted to raise a half a million dollars for our debt reduction. In addition to those numbers I just gave you, we hit that goal, and then we were able to get the incentive. I think we raised like $100,000 in one week after that person made the, that, I got that email on like a Saturday night at 11 o'clock that they said, we'll give you half of what you're missing to get to the goal. I told you, and within five days, we had 100 grand come in. We got the bank's incentive. It dropped 25 basis points off of our interest rate. So we're now locked in at 5.25% for three and a half more years before we have to refinance again. That's really good news. Those are big amounts that that little 25 basis points is big on $4 million. In fact, we're down to 3.8 something is our debt. So God is going to pay for what he orders. He always does. We don't have to worry about that. We just have to keep being faithful to him and press, press on. We also, as a church, have always given at least a tenth away. We believe in the biblical principle of tithing. I tithe. I hope members will all tithe. That means giving a tenth. So it makes sense that as a church, we give a tenth. I hope that in the coming years, we can get that way higher than 10%. It's not a limit. It's a starting point. But we've given 10% away again this year. When we did a parish health screening a year ago, I knew we'd be low in this category. But of the 10 categories, we were lowest in group life. 
small groups. So we made a big push to bring Alpha, Rooted, and Life groups as a small group on-ramp to our church. And I'm, I'm, I can't take credit for it, except that I have an amazing staff. So with Dan and Nancy and pretty much all hands on deck, we've launched Alpha, going into Rooted, going into Life groups. And we put about 60 or 70 people through each of those, and they run concurrently. And by the way, it starts again February 11th, so the next semester of Alpha and Root it starts, and then life groups are happening as well. So that was a big initiative, and it's been helpful for us to help people feel connected, because the only way in a church you can grow numerically large without feeling lost is to be part of a smaller group. So those are some really amazing things that have happened, and I'm just thanking God for that. Um, so we're going from good to great. Now... Let me talk about our potential. So I've talked about our mission is to make disciples. I've talked about our church versus American mainline Christianity. Our church is growing and our potential. Back in November, we joined the Gulf Atlantic Diocese. So that's the group of Anglicans that are geographically centered here in Florida. We were up in Atlanta. Now we're more in our own backyard, so to speak. Um, I was asked by the bishop to serve for two years as the dean of our deanery, which is the group of churches from basically from Savannah down to Gainesville. There's 16 of them. And um, with the vestry's blessing, I accepted that. So now I'm trying to help these other churches get stronger as well. And because of that, I now have access to some numbers. And I see the bigger picture of the diocese, which sort of to my shock was a lot smaller than I imagined. I kind of in my mind thought a lot of churches are like this one. But if you've ever traveled, or you've moved and come back, or you've ever gone on vacation and thought, I want to find a church like Grace in this place where we'll be for the weekend, you don't find them. They're rare. Like, like so rare, you can count all of them on your fingers. Literally, the number of churches in the Anglican Church in North America that has more than 500 people on a Sunday can literally be counted on your fingers. Our diocese has 4,000 people total in worship on a Sunday morning. That means we're one-eighth of it. And a label was given for our church that I'd never heard before. And, and at first, kind of, I didn't like it. But now that I think about it, it makes sense. We were called a resource church. I immediately grabbed from my wallet like this. I went, what do you mean we're a resource church? What are you trying to do? Um, but here's the, here's the strategy. If you have a big population area like, say, Jacksonville or Tallahassee or Miami or Tampa, and you get... A resource church that is big enough and strong enough that can have multiple programs, can have a big enough building for some big events, can have an intern program or multiple intern programs, a surrounding number of other churches can all be part of that system and thrive. And it can help start new churches, it can help revitalize existing ones, and all of these things are part of the vision of the diocese. So I'm really excited actually about that. One of the things for 2018 that I'm seeing the Lord do, I'm not necessarily seeking this, although because the Lord's leading, I'm really excited about it, is he is, he is extending our reach. It is exceeding our current grasp. We are not under the radar anymore. We are not just on this island. We are starting to influence a much broader area. So things are happening. Like I got a call or an email last week from a bishop in Texas who said, can you give me your confirmation retreat information I hear what you're doing there. I don't know how he heard that. Word is out about some of the things that we're doing as a church, and people want to know about it. Soul in the City, the youth camp, 
Uh, we did one in Charleston because Bishop TJ sent some staff down here two years ago, and then they started one up there, which they're going to do again. Kansas City is sending some people out again because they want to start one. One's going to happen in Raleigh, North Carolina. So people are looking at what's happening here, and they're starting to. Exp- they're saying, "We want to. We want to learn from you. We want to grow with you. We want to um, talk to you." Um, I'm hoping this year to do a couple of pulpit exchanges. So I'm going to go, for instance, up to Baltimore to my friend David's church and preach one weekend, and he's going to come down here so that I can see what they're doing and learn from them, and he can come down here and learn from us. So we're starting to cross-pollinate. All of this stuff is happening um, because the Lord is stirring it up. Now, some, some initiatives that we're doing intentionally to catch up with what the Holy Spirit is doing is one... We're going to plant a youth ministry at Church of Our Savior out on Beach Boulevard. I've mentioned this to you already, but it's starting now. We have two interns, uh, Matt and Lance Parker, and they are roommates out at University of North Florida, and they've been working with our youth ministry here for um, some time now. Um, And they are both feeling a strong sense of calling into vocational ministry. And so the best way to, to, to learn is just trial by fire, right? So um, we set up the internship such that our church is going to pay their stipend, but they're going to go to that church and try and start a youth ministry there. That church now has a building. They've merged two little churches. They've gotten a clear, clarifying vision for their church, and they're ready. They're up to 120 or so on a Sunday, and um, it's time for youth ministry there. So we're going to help that happen. We also are starting our first pastoral internship I mean, a formal one. Dan was a pastoral intern, and then we hired him on, and he's been amazing. But that was real loosey-goosey. That was like, hey, Dan, come on, and let's figure this out as we go. So we actually now have a way more structured internship, and Jim Farson is going to serve this coming 12 months as our pastoral intern. He's someone who's done with his seminary studies. He's transitioning from a law practice into ministry and is responding to a call to be a pastor. So um, hopefully he'll be ordained this year, and we're going to put him through a monthly series of modules so that he can get all the tools possible and then um, be on a big church staff, take a little church and revitalize it, plant a church. I'm not going to tell him what God's going to call him to, but um, we want to do what we can, again, as a resource church, to raise up leaders and invest. I believe this. If you give it away, you can't outgive God. He will fill it right back up. He'll start bringing more. And we're watch- I've been saying that for years, but we're watching it actually happen. As we invest in, again, discipleship, Jesus is building his church. He's doing it here locally, and he's doing it globally, actually. So those are some things, but maybe you're sitting there and going, well, that's cool. Sounds fun to be on your staff, Mike, but I'm not on your staff, and I'm not at that church over there on the other side of the river. What about for me? What, what does this mean? I want you to hear this. What makes us a resource church is not the wealth nor the numbers of people. What makes us a resource church is vibrant faith that is being acted upon. It is when you meet with the Lord Jesus, you worship him, you know him, you love him, and you now are living that out in some way. Our church has been doing this for a long time. I didn't start the church. I came in midstream. This is a church that learned about the Bible and the uniqueness of Christ at great personal price. The reason we have the mortgage is because people before me here took a stand for truth and said, we're willing to lose our property and our pensions and all that stuff to be faithful to the Lord. And so that's faith in action. That comes with teeth. That hurts. But then it makes you bold and you go, all right, Lord, you can do this. Build your church. We're going to, we're just going to make disciples. We're going to keep making disciples. 
And I agree with what a, a, a previous senior warden in our church said, David Nelson. He said, the strength of this church is not in the clergy, although good leadership is necessary. It's actually in the pews. So that's you. That's the, the, your faith, active faith being lived out. So my hope for you is that you will mature, that you will strengthen, that your faith will increase here. To that end, we put this connection guide together. So every twice a year, every year, we, um, we, we try to be as clear as possible about the programs that we have. And I want to encourage you to get one of these. And Hannah, if you will put up on the screen this little um, grid, there's a discipleship pathway. We have a clear vision statement, and that's the football field diagram, and it's hanging in the, in the lobby, and it shares our, our mission, our central ministries, and it shares our core values, all of which are really important. But what it didn't show is, if you want to grow in your faith, what should you do? So we have a discipleship pathway. So in the top left corner, it says worship, Sunday in the church, and every day in your home. And what I mean by that is, I want you to come with the people of God in his presence, in his house, for corporate worship. To be inspired, to be fed from his table, to be nourished for the work of going out in the world. But then I want you to be someone who worships everywhere. You are constantly worshiping the Lord in your, in your home, in your workplace, in your recreation and hobbies, in your relationships, that you are walking with him. And so that you are being transformed from the inside out. Then belong, belong through a fourfold life group. A life group that does mutual care for one another, that reads the word of God, that prays, and that remains outward oriented including people, bringing people in. That's the way to get connected. And the on-ramp for that is Alpha Rooted and then the Fourfold Life Groups. And then the bottom right square is serve. And serve the church, serve the community, and serve the world. I do want you to volunteer in the ministries of the church. I do want you to do things that serves the surrounding neighborhoods and the people in our, our geographic area. And I do want you to participate in the global work of serving the world. Now, I'm you can't do all of this all the time. So every Sunday, though, we have a mission of the week where we highlight some ministry as people who are worshiping the Lord and listening to him personally. When he says, this is the thing, then do it. Put your faith in action. Jump into that thing. Know what your ministry is. Begin to engage. I want you to get this connection guide and plug into it. The last square is the hard one. So those first three, worship, belonging, and serve, you could call it up, in, and out. You know, that's kind of, it's kind of, it's holistic in a sense. The fourth one is about intentionality. I want you to grow in maturity and bring others with you. That one says make disciples by sharing your faith and by walking with others along the pathway. So bringing people to church with you and saying, here's why we worship the way that we do. This is what it means for me to be a worshiper of God. This is why we do these different things. Or this is how we have prayer time before school in my house. Or this is what it means for me to have a, da a daily devotion with the Lord. Let me show you how. Or why don't you come to Alpha with me? Let's get plugged in and spend this semester in a small group where other people are asking similar questions. Or I serve once a month at the soup kitchen. Why don't you come with me? You see, the rooted... I don't want to call it a, it's not a program, it's an experience. The Rooted Experience does that for you. It will help you do a couple of things. There's a prayer retreat, there's a, a session on breaking the strongholds of sin in your life so you can experience freedom in Christ, and there is a serve experience. So you can go as a small group and serve those in need in our community and start to learn these new patterns. 
I want people in this church to get to a level of maturity where one disciple is bringing one or a couple of disciples along. Life on life type of discipleship. Your faith being passed on. That is how Christianity got started. And that's why it's the biggest, really the biggest major religion around the world. It's because people are leading other people to know the Lord. They're living it themselves and it's their faith in action. That's what makes us a resource church. That's what, that's what makes Christianity work. That's how God intended it. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. I know that's a tough call, but I'll tell you what, the world is not looking for a church that looks like itself. Those churches are all declining because why would I go to a church that looks just like everything else in my life? People are asking, is there real power in this? Can your God break my sin? Can your God give me freedom? Can I experience satisfaction in this life? It is, the world is asking those kind of questions. And there's pressure against people that live differently. So it's not easy. But it's powerful. And so I want for our church to step into that level of discipleship and maturity. And then the world is going to take notice. And then let's share the good news with them and say, come along. Come walk this walk with me. And let's use this. So I want to encourage you. Get one of these today, read through what's happening, and jump in. Engage this, because that's what the Lord called us to do, to make disciples. And he's going to build his church. He's going to keep doing it. So let's give him thanks for that. Would you um, bow your heads with me in prayer? Lord, I do praise you and thank you for the blessing it is. And I boast in you for building this church and your church around the world. Oh, Lord, help us to be faithful. I pray for the courage for each one of us to do the hard things you ask us to do, that we would trust in the blessings that will come. Lord, help us to be faithful in making disciples. I pray that you'd speak to each person in this room about the grace, the message of grace and your goodness to us, and also the specific thing or things that you would have us do in 2018. Lord, this is your church, not mine or not ours. It is your church, and we are so grateful to be part of it. We give it to you, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.